Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with your laser. I told you you couldn't get through. Well, then maybe it's time for a smoke. Mullets and Memories, a MacGyver podcast about MacGyver. Season six. What is that stuff? Plastic. Silly putty with a bang. And a lot of people don't understand or don't really know that high above our heads, a fragile, invisible layer of ozone shields the Earth's surface against dangerous solar ultraviolet radiation. This feels like but the start now, of a sci-fi we're movie. destroying this protective shield by releasing chemicals wow. into the sky. This means you and your children could suffer radiation burn from the what? sun. They, what? It's okay, so... This feels like it should be the opening of like a science fiction movie, and it feels like it should be like the start of like this really exciting like MacGyver sort of like I don't know you've, if you've seen Kill Zone where like the um, the virus like fell back to Earth and basically almost wiped out humanity. That's what that should have felt like with an opening like that, but that has no bearing whatsoever on the rest of the episode. I immediately went to Magic School Bus and I was looking for Miss Frizzle. <laughs> Uh, or that, yeah, that, that works just as well. Um, welcome to Mullets and Memories, everybody. I am your host, Dave Champa, and filling in for Greg is my host for the night, Nate Green. I am Greg's stunt double today. He is the stunt double of the evening. Now, I will say, so Greg, as we said at the end of um, episode two, Greg is, I believe he is in Vermont. I forget where he is. Vermont is he's right. at a work retreat, like a work conference, so he's gone for the week, but um, I'm glad that we were able to do this. Um, as we record right now, we're sitting in my kitchen, and we are watching a snowstorm roll in slowly. Uh, it's supposed to dump anywhere from 11 to 18 inches on our area sometime overnight. So I'm I'm glad that Nate was able to... Uh, I'm glad that you were able to make it here tonight just because I did not want to put these episodes off for another week. Thanks right. for doing them earlier in the day. It helps me get out before... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You got here right on time and we're starting just exactly the point that we wanted to. So... This is episode 107 of Mullets and Memories, and today Nate and I are going to be discussing season six, episode three, The Gun. Um, this, uh, this episode shows the return of a character, uh, Mr. Mr. Breeze, uh, never learned his real name, and unfortunately we will never learn his name because this is his last appearance on the show, this is his third and final appearance. Um, I've grown to like him. Nate, remind me, when was the last time you were here? Do you remember? I you missed season most all of season yeah, five. It was was um, it the last time Greg was gone? Was it early? Was it the, was it the was it the uh, the Formula One racing? The, yeah. That okay. So it was that episode. Yeah. I can't remember what the other one was, but I remember you being here for that. So it's been a while. So a lot has happened. You missed all of season five, which there were some doozies in there. But um, how how many episodes have you listened to of our show so far? Oh, so many. A lot. <laughs> oh yeah. What yeah. episode do you want? Um, <laughs> the season. Uh, Five finale. Oh yeah, yeah. What happened in the season five finale? MacGyver went on the magic school bus. I don't remember what happened either. He actually <laughs> he he met up with Miss Frizzle. Oh okay, uh, yeah, and went on the magic school bus. It was not as magical as you think. I don't remember what the season five finale was, and that's really not good because it was only three episodes ago. Yeah, I have no idea what it was. Oh my god, that's really bad. 
what the hell was anyway that's not the point we're in season six now (laughs) it's gonna Um, be a clip show as i as i said in the last episode i am trying really hard to to try to find the positives in this season because season six is widely known as one of one of the worst seasons of the show it's there are some real clunkers in here some real bad real bad episodes and so i'm trying really hard to find as much positive as i can for for the remainder of the series so without further ado Let's jump in and we'll start talking about uh, Season 6, Episode 3, The Gun. So what you guys heard there uh, in that opening clip was um, the Phoenix Foundation is hosting a series of, of exhibits, like Save the Environment exhibits put on by students at the Challengers Club. Now one thing you'll know, Nate, you'll notice, Nate, is the Challengers Club has sort of become the backdrop for a majority of episodes. It's basically like a Boys and Girls Club of America where, you know, troubled teens and youths show up and they try to help them be successful on the streets and in jobs and, and things like that. So, and the Phoenix Foundation is once again hosting a series of these exhibits. They put a lot of money into the Challengers Club. And this one girl's talking about, you know, the sun's rays and then we cut to we kind of pan the camera over and Pete is like holding a trash bag. And in his trash bag is just like he's like this is my junk mail that I've got over the course of a year. I'm like Wow, like, and he's trying to basically saying, like, with all this junk mail, what could we do with, like, this could be burned and used for fuel. An energy source. An energy source, instead of sending it to all these people. And I'm thinking, I'm like, what kind of junk mail do you think Pete's got in there? (laughs) What do you think Pete gets in the mail? Well, this was still (laughs) in the days of, uh, of, like, Sears catalogs. Yeah, yeah. Bradley's catalogs. Yeah catalog catalogs i bet mac thought it would be funny and i bet he signed him up for like an uh, like a, a a yearly subscription to bean curds monthly yes <laughs> and i just love Mac's tommy bahama shirt in this scene too because mm-hmm. then we kind of like pan over as pete's talking about his junk mail and, and macgyver is handing out flyers on how to recycle plastic because apparently people in the 90s did not know anything about recycling i i again i don't know what the nine like what that like was recycling a big thing, or did they introduce that? Like, when did I think it was the nine? I remember, I remember going to school and you know learning about recycling, and we would bring things into class and learn how to recycle. And it was a big push to say, "Hey, take this home to your parents." Okay, and, and yeah, I was just thought it was funny that Max like handing out flyers on how to recycle plastic to all these people, and. Um, he's handing this out, and so Breeze is apparently supposed to be there handing these out because Mac's supposed to be doing something else, and and Pete kind of like leans over and he's like, "Where where is it? You're supposed to get him over here." And so Mac goes over and gets on the phone and calls Breeze, and Breeze picks up the phone. He's like, "Oh yeah, no, I had to work overtime at the garage, but I'm on my way." And like he does this like sidestep out of the door of his house, and he's on the street, and he goes, "Tough Mother Nature, the Breeze is on the way," <laughs> and like just like runs down the street. I'm like, "Wow." Really, buddy? Yeah, <laughs> that's what you say when you leave your house. I, I wanted the I wanted the camera to show somebody standing on the sidewalk saying, "What just happened? What did you? What, who, tough Mother Nature? Who, who the, is he the, talking to? The, are you the breeze? Is that are you calling yourself the breeze now? Is that what's happening? I, I think it's fra breeze. Fra fra breeze, fra breeze. <laughs> is on the way, and like he just runs and he starts heading over to the Challengers Club. So we cut to a junkie named Todd Fowler. And he's trying to get a fix. And so what he's doing is he's he's trying to trade a gun that he got to these two dealers. Their names are Rudy and Duke. And Rudy and du- Rudy Duke. Rudy Duke. Rudy and Duke are dealers. They're pushers. They're trying to get the drugs out. And so he's so Todd is trying to trade this gun in exchange for some crack. 
asking and, for a nickel. Yeah, what do you say, 10 nickels? Something? Yeah, something like that. Because you're 10 nickels for it. And so Rudy takes the gun, but as he takes the gun, you see a cop drive by in the background. The cop sees this exchange, flips the lights on, and starts chasing down Rudy and Duke and uh, Todd. And he's tried, the cops are trying to get him to surrender. Uh, Rudy and Duke actually open fire on the cops. When he, when he gives the, the gun to the, to the pushers, he's like, hey, it's loading, loaded and everything. Right. So, yeah. And so Rudy ends up shooting one of the police officers during this, like, this brief standoff. Rudy and Duke get in their car and drive away. And Todd, who hasn't been seen at this point, kind of like takes off and goes in the other direction. Now we cut back to Breeze, who's still like hop, skipping, jumping down the road, talking about the breeze on the way with Mother Nature. <laughs> and Rudy is up in front of him. He like loses control of the car and crashes and ends up crashing the car right in front of Breeze. Now Breeze immediately recognizes Rudy as like an old friend of his. And he kind of tries to stop him. He's like, man, what are you doing? He's like, what was happening here? And he sees Rudy with the gun in his hand. And um, the cops kind of close in on them. And Rudy and Duke just like run the other direction with the gun and leave breeze there to deal with the cops <laughs> as as rudy's taking off he's like he's like you don't know me and you know yeah putting his distance behind and and uh and then the cops start pulling in breeze sees the cops and his reaction is i wasn't a big fan of breeze and this was this was kind of where it let off yeah he runs yes i'm like you know you're trying to save the environment but yet you're going to just take off yeah. from the cops that, that number that's not what you do right now now there there's an undercurrent of racism in probably the last season and a half where we've seen this a couple times where the police are unnecessarily profiling black people on the show in in, in, in over the course of the stories and so the cops immediately think he's involved and so like you said he runs instead of kind of like just trying to plead his case like I had nothing to do with this. So he runs, and he ends up at the garage where he works, Breeze does, and he breaks in and gets on the phone and calls MacGyver for help. Now, what I love about this is that this is one man in a garage, unarmed, and they're going to tear gas him mm-hmm. <laughs> to get him out. And so Breeze is on the phone with MacGyver. And he's but like, they think he's armed. Do they think he's armed? They do, because when MacGyver shows up, they're like, he- he's got a gun. And MacGyver's like, he doesn't have a gun. Oh, that's right. I forgot. See, I... See, this is my problem is I don't pay attention enough. One last week when Greg and I were were talking about an episode, I completely missed like a forty five second span of time in an episode, which was kind of like a crucial point in the thing, and I had no idea it had happened. So it was just like this is what I do. I don't pay attention to the actual episodes because I'm too focused on taking notes. So That's why I didn't take notes. So I, I should that. probably just stop taking notes. So so Breeze gets on the phone and he calls MacGyver, and like you said, so MacGyver arrives. And, you know, he starts, like, yelling at the cops, like, don't shoot, he's not armed, I promise you'll get him out of there. He does, he eventually convinces Breeze to surrender, and he kind of, like, lets it known to Breeze, like, he's like, I'm not going to let you go down, I promise you, like, that's, nothing, nothing's going to happen to you. So, we we cut away for a brief moment to a, a Middle Eastern arms dealer named Zamora, who has little more to do than just call people on the phone and bitch and whine. Uh, to the um, the gun manufacturer that is making his guns, <laughs> so so Zamora is watching a news broadcast and they start talking about the shooting, the news, the news, the news anchor, and we learn that a forensics expert has uh, placed the gun that was used in the shooting earlier today, earlier than that day, 
to a gun that was used to kill a man named David Harrison, who was a presidential candidate 20 years ago. And the reason he made this connection is because he also worked yes. the Harrison case, which is very coincidental. Absolutely. Uh, that, you know, he worked that case that went, uh, you know, the gun right. wasn't. They didn't have the gun, and then it kept popping up. And, yeah, and yeah. we learned that more. Like, the gun apparently seems to be cursed to kill, because we learn a few more times how this gun has come into play. So, and apparently this forensic expert is, is attached to it. So. He's very attached to this gun. So Zamora gets on the phone, and he calls this guy named Maddox. Now, Maddox, is, in, is uh, he's a gun manufacturer. Like, he owns a weapons plant. And he tells Zamora tells Maddox like he's like, listen, I need you to get this gun back. I really need you to do this. And Maddox like, I don't understand why you need this specific gun. Like, what what's the point? Why do you need this gun? I'm literally making you thousands of guns. Are these not enough? And he's like, oh, Zamora's like, you don't understand. And then he goes into this really long monologue about what mm. the gun symbolizes. And I'll give you just a brief rundown. He basically says he's like, this gun symbolizes anarchy. Violent overthrows and a change in the world order. It could also be used as a rallying point to create new markets and profits for both of us. And I'm like, good God. Like, this was a 20-year-old assassination that happened. I'm like, how can one gun cause this much turmoil? Even with what we know about what the gun did, it's a really weird story about how this guy absolutely needs the gun. It was just a really bizarre... There's a lot of pride in the criminal market, and you you know, you know have to take your work seriously. I guess. You know? I guess, yeah. And so, so Zamora's like, if you don't get me this gun, then I, you, we can count all business, all business shares after this point are going to be done. And you know, Maddox kind of has no choice. Yeah, he, he makes a reference to, he's like, uh, you know, the... The uh, the the gun clubs and the hunt, people who hunt it's like that's that won't make him enough money if he loses right. uh, Zamora or, or Zathura. Um, Zathura, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> if, if he, right, that guy. Then then it's like that. This one order can put me into bankruptcy. Right, exactly. So we we cut back to Pete MacGyver and they're kind of like running the history on the Harrison gun. And they come to find out that it was a rare Czechoslovakian, I think he said a seven-shot Ruper? Is that what he said? Or was it a Ruger? I think he said Ruper. I remember hearing it and saying, I've never heard that before. Yeah, so, so okay, so I'm going to guess me. it was a Ruper. <laughs> That's what a he Ruper said. A Ruper Because I know what a Ruger is. Oh, you do? Yes. I just, I, when he said it, I was like, Ruper? It's like, was that a typo? Did he read the script wrong and they didn't want to tell him? <laughs> it's like, what is happening? So apparently this gun has a history of violent acts. So I guess... The story goes that after Harrison was assassinated with the gun, the said gun was sold at a police auction to a gun dealer. Then that gun was stolen from the gun dealer, used in a drive-by shooting where a stray bullet killed an innocent woman. The gun was then recovered again, sold again at a police auction where a man named Martin Jenkins bought it, and then the trail disappeared. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I've got an idea and it might not work, but how about you not try and resell a murder weapon that has killed two people at a police auction? How about we just not do that? But no, apparently Marty Jenkins bought it, and then the trail disappeared, and they have no idea like what happened to the gun at that point. So we cut to a woman who now we've met for the first time. Her name is Laura, uh, Laura Fowler. And she gets home and she's reading this newspaper article about the Harrison gun and how it's like reappeared out of nowhere after all these years, like 20 years worth. Nobody's seen it. 
and she kind of has like a moment of panic and she runs over to the cabinet in the other room and she looks and there's it's a gun cabinet and she's looking and there's a big spot missing where a gun should be and with a silhouette of the gun <laughs> of right course yeah. it's been spent too much time in the sun yeah. <laughs> it's a sun silhouette and she kind of panics because we're to assume as the viewer of this episode like that she had the gun and that's where it had, had come from and so I love this. So she goes up to she goes upstairs and she she knocks on her brother's door and it's Todd, the crackhead from earlier, and he's smoking crack in his room. And she's like, "You broke your promise to our father." She was like, "She called him daddy." Did she? Yes. Oh god, I missed that. Because at first I thought it was his mom just because of the way she was dressed. Right. I know it was early 90s, but And you know, she also looks significantly yeah. older than Todd. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, it just felt weird when she's like, "You broke your promise to daddy." I'm like, okay cool i know and i'm just like she doesn't like it's almost like she knows that her brother smokes crack but seems shocked every time she walks in and sees him like what are you doing todd like well i'm fucking smoking crack what do you mean what am i doing and so she's like you broke your promise to daddy and she's like let me ask you a question she's like did you did you take the gun did you use this gun and he goes to the and he goes to the the gun cabinet and realizes at that point that he took and sold the wrong gun because he because I think was it Laura, does Laura tell him that this this is the Har- the Harrison gun is no she doesn't tell him that yet no I think it, it seems like he knows and he just didn't realize like he had a moment where he just grabbed the wrong one oh okay all right all right I got because it, it, when he real when he looked at the cabinet he's like oh my gosh I he I grabbed the wrong one like he meant to grab one that wasn't the Harrison gun. Right. And so as any good crackhead would do, he decides that he's going to go after it and find the gun. <laughs> against well, his, against she, his sister's better objections. She's and she, as he's running out the door, she's yelling at him, "You're not in, you're not in your right space or something." <laughs> you just come and he's like just runs away and I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess I guess we can kind of see where this is going to go." So, we cut back to MacGyver and Pete. And we find out that the, this man Jenkins, the man who bought the gun before it disappeared, uh, died in a car crash a couple of years earlier. And his family sold the gun. And I love that they just like they're like, oh yeah, we don't know who bought it. There's no record of that. Like, aren't you supposed to keep records of all gun purchases? Isn't that how that works? I don't know. In the nineties, I have no idea. I don't, I don't know what know. gun I think laws it was were like, like in like the nineties. Toys, <laughs> maybe it was. Like, <laughs> That's so bizarre. I was I just know. like, they have no record of who purchased it. Like, yeah. Some family bought it. How do you know it was a family? Like, how do you know the family sold the gun? Like, it could still be in Martin Jenkins's. Uh, you don't know that if you have no idea who purchased it. I think another thing that <laughs> that, that kind of rubbed off on me about this episode too is that it's so timely with what we're talking about today yes. with today's oh. gun regulations and and how hot of a topic this is. Yep, because um, like even today, I, I if I'm correct in what i've heard like uh if you're a professional um business that sells guns there's a lot of documentation that goes Mm -hmm. with it but if you're private it's it's a little bit looser like you don't have to have hard tracking on all that stuff right um maybe yeah so i mean and if if they're saying jenkins sold it private sale especially early 90s then yeah. there may not be any it was just i just down. that just struck me as odd i think considering the parallels that i was drawing between what's happening now and back then yeah. um so i'm glad that we've come 
so far. I know. In the last 28 years, it's just so nice to see. (laughs) So I love this. And so this goes into how the Phoenix Foundation has so much expendable income. So apparently Breeze's bail was set at like 50 grand. Yep. They free Breeze. Free the Breeze. Free Breeze. (laughs) Free the Breeze. Foundation pays 50 grand. And Pete, like, hands Mac, I think he hands Mac, like, a check for $50,000. He's like, just talk to the lawyers. Took a little finagling, but we got the check. Here you go. And Mac's like, Pete, really appreciate it. Thank you. And Pete has probably one of the weirdest lines in the whole series where he goes, well, don't thank me. I was born a warm and wonderful human being. It has an awkward, like, the camera stays on him just for, like, two seconds too long, and it gets kind of weird. I don't, I was like, that came out of nowhere. Like, just say, oh, don't thank me. Thank the foundation. Or don't, like... But to, say, to but to tell him like oh I was born a warm and wonderful human being, what? It's just the writers trying to be funny. I guess, but I'm like you guys are already best friends. Like you don't need to be all weird and creepy with MacGyver Pete. Jeez, <laughs> come on. So Matt gets to the jail to bail him out and realizes that uh, this guy uh, Maddox had actually already posted the bail and gotten Breeze out of prison. So he runs over to he heads over to, to to Maddox's the weapons plant factory whatever you want to call it and he kind of like fakes an appointment with Maddox and he slips past the security guard and when he gets inside Maddox and his men are talking to Breeze on the factory floor and Maddox is like persistent he's like I'll give you a thousand dollars Breeze to tell me where this gun is and Breeze is like I I I, I don't know Legi- I'm telling you legitimately I don't know can I please leave and there's two guys uh, you know Tweedle shit and Tweedle dump are like they like put their hands out and just like stop him but MacGyver has already arrived and he's like oh hey and Breeze is like MacGyver that's, that's my friend he's my buddy over there like, MacGyver gets over there and I love this MacGyver has his soapbox moment about the second amendment and try basically tries to school Maddox on how Maddox is like, oh, you're one of those liberals. You don't believe in the Second Amendment. He's like, da 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 da. And Max, like, no, I, I understand the Second Amendment, but I'm pretty sure that you're not selling guns for the purposes of a well-regulated militia. <laughs> he's like, I'm pretty sure that's not what you're trying to do. And you know, he starts talking about how he doesn't want innocent people to get killed. And one of the things Greg and I have noticed about this season so far, three episodes in, and Mac has got this like sarcastic streak. Like kind of a dick yeah. in this like but he just he's he's almost like he's given up caring what people think of him and like he just lays into these people and he does it again in the next episode too yep. in, in one oh eight. But I'm really I'm really liking this character arc for him because he spent so much time like trying to please people and now all of a sudden he's just like Well, I think it's because everybody close to him dies. He's like, well, what do I care what you think about me? You're probably going to die anyway. <laughs> and again, like next episode two, we find out he lost somebody else in his childhood. Yup. <laughs> it's like in a really tragic way. So I kind of don't blame him. I would be that sarcastic. Yeah, everyone that around me dies. I shouldn't care anymore. <laughs> and so, yeah, he's like, he goes into this like full on dick mode. And he's like, I'm pretty sure that you're not selling these guns for, for the purposes of a well-regulated militia. And he kind of like grabs Breeze and he's like, you know, if you'll excuse me, we, we're just, we're going to go. All right. Th- thanks a lot there, buddy. And so they get outside and Max like, you got to tell me what the hell just happened. Like, what is going on right now? I literally am. He's like, I'm demanding that you tell me the truth. Like, you got to tell me what's going on. And Breeze has this really weird story about going to camp <laughs> one summer, like 15 years ago or 10 years ago with Rudy who was one of the drug dealers. And he's like, he's like, I'll tell you, when I got to that camp, I fell in love with all these environmental causes. I fell in love with the sky and the grass and the trees. And I just, oh, and I just, I can't, it's so beautiful. And all I wanted to do at that point forward is save the planet. I'm like, really? Because the first time we saw you, you were a drug dealer. (laughs) 
It's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> He's like, I won't. We we got to that camp together, and Rudy was just too far gone. But I just loved just that smell of grass and rolling down that <laughs> yes, hill. Just I could roll down that hill ten more times. I'm like, oh my get god, that smell of grass in my nose. <laughs> I'm like, what are you? D-? It was just such a weird character moment because, like, like I said, the first time we meet him, he's legit dealing crack to Cuba Gooding Jr. Like he's dealing drugs on the streets, and we find out here that like ten years prior, all he wanted to do was save the planet. Like, so where did he go wrong between the day he left camp and the, and that ep- that first episode that we see him? It was just such a weird moment for for him to say that. I'm like, okay, that's tough. Mother Nature breeze is on his way. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, breeze is like, listen, I don't want to turn Rudy over to the police. I am not going to betray a brother. And MacGyver's like. People who shoot other people in the streets are not your brothers. You don't, like, you need to turn him in. And he's like, you owe it to the people who lost their lives to this gun. Because how many people has this killed? Harrison, the cop, the woman, woman, and we find, well, and so actually it'll end up being four people that gun has killed by the end of the episode. Um, And so we cut, what were you going to say? Spoiler alert. I didn't say who. <laughs> I didn't say who yet. It's, uh, it's MacGyver. It's MacGyver. Yeah. <laughs> MacGyver gets shot with the gun. So Pete was cleaning it. <laughs> he's crying in the corner, <laughs> naked in the shower. <laughs> MacGyver. <laughs> it's like, oh, my junk mail. <laughs> you got to listen to, you have to listen to the last episode where we did season six, episode two, 105. We, 106 we have this there's this great moment at the end where we talk about a grenade blowing up the, well just listen to the end okay. of it it's really good so we cut back to rudy and duke and they're like standing outside a pool hall and they're reading about the harrison gun in the newspaper and uh rudy tells duke he's like listen man i got rid of that gun he's like i tossed it down the sewer and he gives him he gives him a location of where it is he's like yeah i tossed it down the sewer at such and such a street and like, i didn't want anything to do with that meanwhile um Duke's all like, he's like, oh, this is a really famous gun. We can make a lot of money off this. Right, right. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know that your fingerprints are like all over the gun. And you've just like tossed it out out of nowhere. So Duke, of course, like just leaves to go get the gun. And Rudy like slips away. Like, I guess it's across the street from the pool hall. There's like a wrecking yard. Just like, you know, junked cars and stuff like that. And we see Todd kind of like from afar. And he's watching Rudy slip over to the wrecking yard and laura comes over and like kind of tries to confront todd about what he's trying to do and kind of todd just like blows her off pretty quickly pretty much just ignores her yeah doesn't even acknowledge her almost he's just he's like looking around the corner and she's trying to talk to him and he goes so he like ignores her and just like runs runs across the street and like kind of like trails rudy into the wrecking yard so shortly after that macgyver and breeze they pull up at the pool hall and Breeze goes inside the pool hall to ask around because I guess this is where Rudy hangs out when he's not dealing drugs. And MacGyver sees Laura kind of like just standing weirdly by herself in the middle of the alley outside the pool hall. <laughs> just like, okay. And he starts to like walk after her and she gets in the car pretty quickly and just like drives away really fast. I actually was wondering, I'm like, is she intentionally walking away from macgyver like is she does she think he's stalking her right you know, i'm like what's going on here like, what is happening but. right now it was just really weird because then we just we cut to the wrecking yard and rudy ha- had lied to duke about where he put the gun it wasn't in the sewer like he hit it in like a ripped up seat in a in a wrecked car and he reaches in and he pulls the gun out 
and he's looking at the gun and, and Todd comes up from behind and, and like just attacks him and they scuffle. They get into a fight in the middle of the yard and the, and the gun accidentally goes off and we see that it, it actually ends up shooting Rudy. And Mac and Breeze hear the gunshot and they kind of like run towards the direction of the sound and they end up over in the rock uh, the rocking yard. <laughs> yeah! In the rock yard! And, in the wrecking yard. Breeze gets there first. Breeze gets there first and he kind of like confronts and he sees Rudy on the ground and Todd comes over behind him and I think he pistol whips him. And just like drills him in the back of the head and no, knocks they, Breeze down. The, not, not yet. What happens is uh, Todd comes up, uh, Breeze sees Todd. Yep. And then Todd takes off. And right. as Todd is trying to get over the fence, Breeze pulls him off the fence, and Todd grabs, like, this hubcap or something. Was that what it was? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's and, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wings it up and hits uh, Breeze on the back of the head and kind of knocks him down. Oh, okay. See? I don't pay attention. Yeah. I really don't pay attention to any of this. And so MacGyver and Breeze, after Todd runs, uh, MacGyver and Breeze, like, they find Rudy, who's very clearly dying on the ground in front of them and shortly after they get there breeze just sort of like he don't, i don't remember what he says to breeze i'm not sure if it was important <laughs> or not but he like just slowly just closes his eyes and he, he's just it's 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 not really important but i don't know why they had him say that anyway they meaning the writers the writers do, wh- it's like the, the gun the gun he has it oh well, oh, right all right and then he dies <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then Rudy passes away, which is weird. As the, as Breeze and MacGyver just sit there watching him die, and it's not <laughs> until he has his head slowly turning to the side and his eyes are closing, as you know, in the in that TV death, right? <laughs> and then MacGyver goes to check his pulse in the most awkward way possible by just like palming. <laughs> His neck. It's just so weird. <laughs> so it was so bizarre. So Pete confirms that it was indeed the Harrison gun that killed Rudy. So that makes four people that have died uh due to this gun. And through some tracking down, they've discovered that uh, who Laura is. So Laura is the daughter of a man named Frank Fowler, and Frank was a was a gun control advocate. He was very close with with Senator Harrison before he was assassinated. And Frank uh created the Harrison Foundation for Gun Control. And so his whole thing was he was trying to remove guns from the streets and destroy them. That, like, that was his like big thing, and it never really took off. Well, he didn't... And the, the thing that uh, Lara says um, <laughs> is that he didn't really want to destroy them, but he kept them in a case. Oh, that's right. He took them off the streets. Because he so- felt like if he had watch over them... That's right. The cur- Like, he... The curse wouldn't be there. Fills the house up with like hundreds of millions of guns. <laughs> he just keeps taking them and putting them in the basement. Dad, we're running out of room for the guns. I don't know what you're... Quiet and eat your peas guns. <laughs> I just... But the guns are... They're all pointing at me. Are they loaded? Yes, they're loaded. I took them off the streets. Of course they're all loaded. Where do you think I'm supposed to keep these bullets? <laughs> so so Todd gets on the phone and he calls the weapons plan and, and uh, Tweedleshit picks up the phone. Hello. I don't remember their names. And I, I think that was it. It was Tweedle shit. Yeah. So he, he's like, he's like, well, I want to talk to Mr. Maddox, and and the shit was like, I, I don't. He's not. He's not here. He's like, let me, let me have you call. Let me have him call you back. And he's like, listen. He's like, I uh, got that gun you guys are talking about, and I'll sell it to you guys for fifty thousand dollars. Fifty grand. You guys can take it. And he's like. Well, why don't I have Maddox call you back? And Todd's like, you know what? No, I don't want to do that. I'll call back in a couple minutes when he's going to. He's like, yeah, he'll be back in like five or ten minutes. Todd's like, all right, I'll call back. 
And so he hangs up the phone, and Todd looks out the window, and he sees MacGyver pull up in front of the house. And he's like, oh, shit. He's like, I know that guy. And he looks over to Lauren, and he's like, listen, you got to cover for me. Don't tell him I'm here. I, I, I want nothing to do with this. And he goes and like runs upstairs to hide in his bedroom. And we cut back to the weapons plant, and uh, shit, what is his name? I can't remember, but uh, Maddox's assistant basically tells Maddox that this guy called and he's willing to like sell him the gun for 50 grand and he's like well he's gonna call back and the guy was like well no we don't really need to call him back we can just go see him because we got the caller ID like we got his number here so we can trace the call back it's to his new house fancy fangled this caller new, new, ID. did you ever have, did you have caller ID growing up I remember we had a we had a separate little um yeah. almost like a large pager thing next to the phone yes. and I'm like oh that's that I know that number that's a that's a you know yeah. extension or yeah, something. Yeah, it was like know. this little box that sat next to the telephone. I yeah. remember oh my gosh, yeah, we used to have that too. It was the it was the weirdest thing. You had to pay extra too. Yeah. Like you want to get the caller ID, you have to pay extra for yeah. your phone. Like oh And God. it was an extra box. Yeah. It was, it was weird. so bizarre. And we thought it was awesome. I loved having that thing. Caller ID was the greatest. Um so basically Maddox gets on the horn and he calls Zamora and he's like, Listen, he's like, We found the gun. You can come pick it up at the factory, 5 o'clock tonight, along with your arms shipment. Then we can be done with this, and you can have what you want. So we cut back to uh, the inside of Laura's house, and Mac and Breeze are like, listen, we're still looking for this gun, and Todd has snuck down, and he's like hiding right around the corner, and he's like listening to what they're talking about. And like Breeze is still convinced that he's going to fry like he's pretty convinced that like he's even though he's on bail like he still has to go to trial for all this thing and so he's he's convinced that like he's he's as good as dead at this point and um MacGyver notices over in the corner that the the gun case has an empty spot in the display case and he walks over and uh like you said Nate earlier like Laura explains like that her dad started the gun control foundation and bought these crime ridden guns to basically take him off the streets and um as they're discussing this, like Todd, like kicks something or knocks something over, and distracts him, and so he like kind of alerts MacGyver and Breeze to his whereabouts that he's in the house. But before they can actually get to him, Todd just takes off and runs out into the streets and just bails. And um, meanwhile, Laura again is yelling after them, "That's my brother. He's not well." No, we 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 know that. <laughs> Thanks. And so we're back in the house and. Uh, as they're getting ready to leave, so they get back in after uh, MacGyver and Breeze have tried to chase him, and like Laura's just like standing weirdly in the kitchen, not not moving and not saying anything. And MacGyver's like, "Laura, what's what's the matter?" And Laura keeps like looking to her left, and we see Tweedleshit and Tweedledick come out from the other side with a gu- their guns because obviously they had traced the phone number back to this house. They take all three of them prisoner. MacGyver, Breeze, and Laura are now taken prisoner. Now we'll get to we'll get to the end of the episode shortly but i love this macgyverism it's one of my favorites of this so they lock them in a cargo container they lock them up and they just leave them in there and they're basically what they're going to do is they're going to take them out to sea zamara zamara zamora zathura gamora gamora (laughs) gamora gamora is going to take them out to sea and then dump the cargo container into the middle of the ocean and just let it sink like that's his whole big plan so they take him over to the pier and like MacGyver's like looking through the crates and he's like, he pulls out these grenades and he lays them down. He's, these grenades have like laser sights on them. And, and Laura's like, Oh, what are you doing? What's going on? And, and Breeze is like, Oh, he's just trying to get us out of here. Relax. 
Why would a grenade have a laser sight on it? I don't know. There was, was, there was a laser sight on it, wasn't on there? On a gun. What did, I, did I, what did I say? You said the grenade had a laser sight did, on it. I'm like, do you, do you like... I need to not... Is it like a dart? Did I have just, to be done with this show. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. And so, yeah, Breeze is like, relax. This is what he does. Don't worry about it. So the guns with the laser sights yeah. and the grenades are pulled out of these crates. And so uh, MacGyver doesn't check in with Pete because apparently MacGyver is supposed to check in with Pete wherever he goes. And Pete decides he's going to check things out for himself. And so he, he ends up going over to the Fowler's house, Laura and Todd's house, and he sees Todd leaving the house. And he what just, was he driving, like a Toyota Corolla or something? Yeah, like it was like a really old like Camry. or Cor- yeah, I forget Camry. what it was, but it was like a really early, ni- like late 80s, early 90s Toyota and so he decides that, oh, Pete's like, all right, I'm going to follow him wherever he's going. He's clearly got something. He's got something to do because there's a sense of urgency when Todd leaves the house. He recognizes the car. Does he recognize the car? Yeah. Well, he sees he sees the, the kid leaving the house, yep. Todd, but he focuses, Todd's getting into the, the car that was part of the, the um, that was in the news article that talked about uh, his dad acquiring the gun. Yep. And um, makes the connection that, you know, oh, I should probably follow him. Oh, okay. And yes, that's right. Because at this point, we go back and we realize that Todd has called Maddox to tell him to bring the gun to the pier in an hour. And he'll pay for the weapon and then turn it over to Zamora. And that's when he realizes that MacGyver and Breeze and Laura can actually identify Zamora now that he's seen them. And that's when he locks them in the cargo containers and he's like, I'm going to dump them out in the middle of the ocean. So... The crate gets lifted up into the air, and MacGyver's like, you know, he's doing his thing, and he's got the C4, and he, what he does is he he attaches, he takes the C4 from the grenades, and he attaches them to the front of the cargo container. So basically, the forward support cables, like where those pass through the cargo container at the top, he attaches one to each side. So basically... He puts them in. The, he attaches the C4 to the front. They go to the back of the container and and kind of just like strap themselves in very loosely. Strap themselves into this cargo container, and I love this. This is one of my favorites, and it was so good just because of the way it ended. <laughs> it was so bizarre, but at the same time, I was just like, "Holy shit, that was awesome!" Again, another another series of coincidences. Oh, absolutely. So it, 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 it was the timing had to be right because Zamora and Maddox had to be standing in the exact right spot yeah. for this to happen. So, so they strap themselves into the one end of the container, and he detonates the he uses the battery from the laser sight to set off the explosives so basically he he sets off the explosives on the other side the front end of the cargo drops basically and there, there swings back and forth it opens and all the weapons and the crates fall onto Zamora and Maddox crushing them and then like the camera like has a lot of cutting back and forth and we see like <laughs> I a love it here we see like and so the three of them are like just like dangling there and I love it because like Mac is calm just laying is like very still Breeze is still and then you get Lisa who's just Lisa Laura who's like just like jiggling around and she's like kicking her legs and moving I'm like <laughs> stay calm woman like he knows what he's doing so they lower the they lower the cargo container down and I love this because MacGyver gets out and he sees like all the guns that have come out and he looks around and he looks down and he sees the Harrison gun. And where's the Harrison gun? <laughs> Standing, sitting there in Zamora's dead hand. Perfectly placed yep. in Zamora's dead hand. Yeah. It was amazing. And so we cut to commercial. So I love this though that like no one 
we don't actually get a resolution to this because I would imagine that as a Middle Eastern arms dealer, killing Zamora might be a big deal. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like there should be more impl- like something should have there should have been some resolution to that other than them just getting crushed under their own guns. Right, like, you know, Pete saying, you know, oh, well, because we were able to link some more in the shipment to this and that, and we were, you know, something more. <laughs> it had big implications. I wanted a little more than just, like, the guns sitting in Zamora's hand and then like everything gets wrapped up in a nice little bow as is the case with most episodes of MacGyver so we cut back from commercial to the finale of the episode and the Phoenix Foundation has yet again started a new initiative and this Avengers initiative this this new Avengers initiative is now they're going this is where I got this from they're not now they're not going to keep the crime ridden guns they're going to melt them down and destroy them all So they're going to prevent these all from being sold at auctions and put back on the streets, and they're basically just going to melt them all down to nothing. Okay. Fair enough, I guess. So Chief of Police kind of gives a little bit of a speech, and uh, we we, we close out the episode with Breeze uh, giving his weird, breathy cadence of a speech uh, uh, right, right before they melt down the Harrison gun. I was born with guns. I grew up with them. I discovered green grass and trees and clean air later so I guess I'm an expert on this subject at least we need to get rid of everything that pollutes our planet so today we're going to get rid of another kind of pollution because it will not do any good to save the earth there's nobody here to enjoy it. Oh, Breeze. You got, well, why was he out of breath? I don't know. I feel <laughs> like he was in a jazz cafe, like doing like just, uh, some slam poetry or get something. Look at the sun and the, and the trees. And we're not going to put these weapons on the streets. <laughs> like, what? Shut up. <laughs> just give the damn speech. <laughs> so he calls Laura up and he's like, This is my friend Laura Fowler. And Laura's the first one to kick off the initiative and she drops the um she drops the Harrison gun into the vat to be melted down to scrap metal. And Pete's like, Well, we've made a good start because uh, all around them in this warehouse there's just like vats of guns. There's like a couple hundred guns just like sitting around waiting to be they're gonna melt these it all down. It looks like the gun shipment net is yeah, going to yeah. Zathuris. And I love this. Pete's like, yeah, well, I guess this is a good start. And Max, like, yep. So we get a couple hundred million more to go. (laughs) And it's just, this is such an issue of the week one, but like this comes up more often and more often. We've got, you know, the gun issue. You know, the next episode, we've got teenage alcoholics. And the, you know, I think uh, earlier in later in season five, we've got the, the, there was an episode in there with poaching. Um, teen runaways, prostitution. Like, there's always an issue of the week, and this one more than anything, like the war on drugs and the war on weapons and guns, is like raging in most of seasons four, five, and six. Like, it just never lets up, and I think there's quite a few more. Um, but yeah, that's where it ends, and you know, everything's all wrapped up as tidy as can be. So, what would you think of this episode overall? I know you didn't like it as much as I thought you would. Yeah, it just it it didn't. And again, it, maybe it's just tainted by what's going on now and how oversaturated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying incorrectly oversaturated. I'm just yeah. saying you know there it's it's a big conversation everywhere, right? And um, and this was just the '90s take on the same conversation that's going on. Yep. Um, and. I don't know, Breeze. I just wasn't a big fan of Breeze. <laughs> I'm like, you organized this 
pep rally or whatever it was at the beginning, and then he was late. And well, okay, so it's funny that you say you know. So the reason I think the reason that they ended up going with Breeze is because in Breeze's first appearance, he appeared in the episode with Cuba Gooding Jr. Yep. back in like season three, I think it was. And I think I don't know. I think Cuba was so well received that they actually recast him as uh, a character named Billy Colton, who is actually part of a family of bounty hunters that runs throughout the rest of the series. So I think it felt like what Greg and I were saying is it felt like Breeze was the second choice. I think they were they may have wanted to use Cuba Gooding's character, but I think he was so good that they ended up using him for the Billy Colton character. So like, oh shit, what are we gonna do? What well, I. I guess we can use Breeze. <laughs> I guess I guess we'll pull him in. Whatever, it's fine. <laughs> but I, yeah. even though this is he's only been in this, so this is his third and final appearance on the show. Even though this is only his third show, third appearance, I liked his character. I just thought he was really good. And I wonder if you had seen his other two appearances, that it might have felt more natural, made it a little bit different for yeah. you. Um, wh- so, what did you end up with on your uh, on your final mullet rating? I gave it a two. Okay, um, for okay. you know taking a strong stance on a tough topic yes um and uh, you know if there's one thing macgyver's passionate about is not guns uh it's it's his anti-gun absolutely and i love that he had that sarcastic comment Mm -hmm. when he went to get breeze at maddox's factory yeah um uh and i liked how you know it was he was kind of cut the bullshit yeah. with with uh Breeze when they left the factory. Yeah. Um and uh and then I give it a mullet for the kind of the handy dandy way he got out of the uh his MacGyverism for getting out of the container. I loved it. I loved um, it. Um although it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, I can kind of see where this is going, but it didn't play out the way I thought it would. Yep. Um, so I was kind of, I was happy to get a little surprise there yeah. and, and see how he did that. Absolutely. So I gave Breeze a mullet because I do, I do like his character and seeing his, his arc over the last three episodes. So I gave him one. I did give the container explosion, the cargo container explosion a mullet. And then I gave a mullet to warm Pete for that weird line about being a warm and wonderful human being. It just, it didn't feel like it belonged in the episode, but I have to love it because I love Pete. Yeah. So I, that was, but that was it. I only gave it three. I didn't like Zamora. I thought Maddox was a dipshit. And I thought his two cronies were, I just, they were no names. So I didn't like a lot of it, but like, I still ended up with a three. It was a good episode. I thought it was pretty good. It's one that if I ever found it on TV, although I don't know MacGyver's in syndication anymore, if I ever saw it on TV, I would probably keep it and watch it, watch it through the end. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, so you go two. I gave it a three. I'm assuming that when Greg's back next week, he'll give us his thoughts on this, unless he doesn't watch these two, which is also something that he may end up doing, which is fine. Um, but so, do you want to play twenty questions, Nate? Yes. Do you want to play alcoholic twenty questions? <laughs> yes, of okay, course. Because that's where we're headed in the next episode. I next episode. Season six, episode four, 20 questions. When he learns that his young friend Lisa was found passed out at a house that was burglarized, MacGyver suspects she might be a teen alcoholic. Um, as we've learned, Lisa Woodman is, this is her, her third appearance, Maya Bialik, uh, great character, great foil for MacGyver, um, but uh, takes kind of a weird turn <laughs> in this episode. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll jump in there next week uh, when, when we come back for, for 108. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. 
If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more of uh, more of this, you can find us on Facebook at Champ and Klein Blow Your Mind. You can find us on Twitter at Blow Your Mind 14. You can find us on Instagram at Champa Klein. You can also email us at letusblowyourmind at gmail.com. You can find us on our website at champacline.com, where not only can you find all 107 episodes of Mullets and Memories, but you can also find all of our episodes of Champ and Klein Blow Your Mind, as well as all 24 hours of our 1440 uh, 24-hour podcast. So go ahead and check those out. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. That is the best way for us to be visible to more listeners. And as Greg and I get ready to wrap up the series, we would love to kind of finish out with a bang and get get a bunch of new people to listen to the show and uh, kind of chat with us and let us know how things are going. So, um, yeah. So I think that's going to wrap it up. Nate, thank you for joining me. Will you, uh, will you hang around for one more? Absolutely. Yay. So for Mullets and Memories this week, I am Dave Champa. And I'm Nate Green. Have a fantastic week, guys. Well, 